Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hi, I'm Adam Brickmans, and today we're making garlic and soy venison jerky. This recipe was created by Brad Trumbo, a field staff writer for Harvesting Nature. He writes, let's face it, if you stockpile venison scraps for stew, burger, and sausage, you likely have some random holdings suitable for jerky. It may be simpler to grind those scraps, but this easy homemade jerky recipe will motivate you to find more value in the scraps or devote more of your deer to a jerky stash. When it comes to venison, anything, including pepper, garlic, Worcestershire sauce, and soy can produce magic and this recipe is no different. A slight salty kick from the soy, tang from the pepper and Worcestershire, and a lingering sweetness from the softened marinated venison ensures a fresh batch won't last long. Perfect for a family snack or to toss into your day pack for a hike or hunt, look no further for an ideal portable protein punch than your freezer and refrigerator doors. Thanks Brad. Jerky's pretty fantastic stuff. If you don't happen to make your own, you probably buy it from the gas station as road trip fuel or as a little something to get you by until a later meal. Though jerky is pretty ubiquitous today, was it always that way? Where did it come from? How did it get so popular? Is the USA the only country that enjoys it? Well, grab a hunk of jerky and get chewing, because today we're going to do a deep dive into the history of jerky. To start it all off, let's first look at what makes jerky, jerky. Jerky is a very popular snack in Canada and the USA, made primarily of lean beef, which gets cut into strips, marinated, and dried or smoked over low heat, producing a savory, chewy meat product that is fit to eat without any cooking or preparation. Due to the way it's made and its protein to moisture content, most jerky is shelf stable and can last unrefrigerated for months. 
Though beef is by far the most popular type, consisting of about 80% of the jerky consumed in the USA, it can also be made with pork, turkey, chicken, lamb, fish, wild game, mushrooms, soy products, and even earthworms. Jerky is largely made by industrial manufacturers, utilizing massive drying ovens, chemical preservatives, and vacuum sealing machines to mass produce the snack for sale in Walmarts and gas stations, though as Brad will prove later, it is quite easy to make at home as well. As I mentioned before, jerky is a very popular snack. The CDA, or Commercial Dehydrators America, reports that 122 million Americans, which is over a third of the population, consumed a beef jerky product in 2017. This figure grew to 128 million Americans in 2020 and is projected to increase to 133 million by 2024. This explosion in jerky popularity may be due to the fact that it fits so many of the new diets popular with millennials. You know, the carnivore, paleo, gluten-free, keto, low-fat, Atkins, low-carb, Whole30, and all those other ones. Globally, the meat snack industry is worth about $10 billion, with over half of that coming from the states alone. Americans seem to like buying jerky more than meat sticks or other convenient meat products sold in gas stations, and some companies are even predicting that beef jerky will eclipse potato chips as America's number one snack in the coming years. So, jerky is big business, and it looks like it's just going to keep getting bigger. But where did it come from? How did it become such an American staple? It seems that jerky didn't originate in the USA at all, but in what is now modern-day Peru. Incan peoples in the Andes made a dehydrated meat product called charqui, which means dried salted meat. The word charqui was eventually anglicized in today's jerky, by the way, meaning the name jerky isn't actually American either. The Incans would take pieces of llama or alpaca meat, often bone-in, salt them, and then hang them to dry. The cold mountain air and strong sun worked to create a freeze-drying process that worked along with the salt to preserve the meat. The Incan Empire would supply inns and checkpoints called tampu with charqui for travelers or messengers passing through. When the Spanish encountered the Incans in the mid-1500s, they encountered charqui as well, and quickly adapted the processing technique to beef as a way to easily feed their men. Charqui became chaki in the Spanish language, and the dried meat spread along with the Spanish into Central and North America. At some point, the Spanish chaki would have moved far enough north to run to another type of jerky being made by First Nations tribes like the Cree or Neowak. Though different types of dried meat and smoked meat, called pansawan, existed in abundance, there was one type that was particularly interesting and helped shape modern-day American jerky, and that was pemmican. Pemmican consists of lean wild game meat like bison, elk, deer, or moose that is sliced thinly and smoked or dried, then chopped up and pounded with rendered fat, usually bare duck fat, forming bricks of densely caloric food with a very long shelf life. Many tribes mix berries like choke cherries or blueberries in for flavor and nutrients, though some tribes only did this for special occasions. Pemmican could be kept in a rawhide bag for months and months and was an invaluable food source for travelers, hunters, and later for fur trappers and explorers. 
It could be eaten as is, or cooked into a stew called rubabou by early French settlers. Pemmican made for such an excellent filling and nutritious food source that it was included in British and Canadian soldiers' rations in the Boer War in South Africa. Actually, while we're in South Africa, let's take a moment to talk about biltong. Biltong is another type of cured and dried meat found all over the southern portion of the African continent. Though drying and curing meat over smoky fires has existed since prehistory, biltong came into being when the Dutch arrived in South Africa and combined European ingredients with traditional tribal meat preservation techniques. Traditionally made from wild game like eland, kudu, wildebeest, and ostrich, biltong was made by soaking lean meat in vinegar, then coating it in the spices and rock salt and hanging it to dry. Biltong would have been made during the dry and cool winter months in the South African high veld plateau. The chunks of meat would often be sliced very thinly to eat. Nowadays, biltong is just as big of a deal in South Africa as jerky is in America. Modern methods use gentle heat, nitrates, and a special curing chamber called a biltong box to make it. It is sold in chunks or sliced super thinly by special biltong slicers. Biltong differs from jerky in that it is often dried in thicker chunks, but sliced very thinly. It includes vinegar and different spices in the curing process, is rarely smoked, and is generally much less sweet. It's usually made with beef these days, but game biltong is still sold throughout the region. It's become a big deal and is eaten by several different cultures. It's even fed to babies as a teething aid. I'll tell you a little secret. I've been to South Africa a few times and have eaten my weight in biltong of all different types. I think it's actually better than jerky. Anyways, back to North America where Spanish chaki has run into pemmican and French, British, and Dutch settlers have adopted some combination thereof as a valuable food source. The first time jerky comes up in any written form, in English anyways, was in 1612. British explorer and colonial governor John Smith annotated on a map of Virginia as dry as their jerkin beef in the West Indies. As American settlers pushed westward, jerky became invaluable as a food source in food-scarce regions and, for better or worse, helped fuel colonial progression towards the Rockies. Many exploration parties, and later, groups traveling the Oregon Trail, would hire a jerky-making expert who was skilled in hunting and preserving the meat. Instead of beef or big game, the jerky would often be made from ducks, geese, and turkeys, which were easier to catch and process on the move. That's right, turkey jerky is hundreds of years old. As time wore on, American beef became a big deal, with ranches and cowboy culture flourishing from Texas all the way up to Alberta. Beef jerky became a big deal along with it, being the perfect food to pack in saddlebags and bring with you on a cattle drive. As cowboys, soldiers, settlers, the RCMP, trappers were all chomping on beef jerky, it started to get tied into the historical mosaic of the American and Canadian West and became an indispensable part of the lives and the general story of the West. By the 1900s, jerky had such a broad appeal that companies began packaging it and selling it wholesale. 
The American and Canadian public was now buying packaged jerky, though maybe not from gas stations quite yet. In 1918, the American military added jerky to soldiers' emergency rations, and by 1938, the C-ration, a precursor to today's MRE meal, included a 16-ounce portion of jerky. Briefly skipping ahead to today, the military has now included caffeinated jerky into MRE meal kits, with the delightful name Perky Jerky. Soldiers coming home from World War II had developed a taste for jerky, probably one of the few foods they got to eat in the field that wasn't mundane or flat-out disgusting. With the high demand from returning soldiers and some producers already selling packaged jerky, modern jerky as a commercial product truly became a thing. Soon it was being sold in gas stations as a great road trip fuel that could be eaten while driving and could be kept with no refrigeration. In the 1990s, jerky was taken off the planet for the very first time. Turns out astronauts need food that is lightweight, non-perishable, and nutrient-rich, just like the soldiers before them, and the cowboys before that, and the settlers, and the explorers, and the, you know, the Incans, and the indigenous tribal groups, and oh, the Vikings, and also the Romans, and the Chinese, and before that it was the Egyptians, and, and the very first hominids who let strips of meat dry over a smoky fire so they could take it with them as they moved to a new hunting or foraging site. Things haven't really changed all that much since those early ancestors began making jerky, though now, people are much more likely to grab a bag of Jack Links while filling up their car rather than dropping a mammoth with spears and smoking the meat over a dung fire. It is quite easy to make jerky, and I must say much better jerky than, you know, Jack Links or dung smoked mammoth at home. You could use pretty much any meat to make it, including beef, while game, fish, waterfowl, poultry, the options are pretty much limitless. All you need is a smoker or a dehydrator, or you could get all DIY with it and use fans and homemade equipment. If you're taking the dehydrator route, a good move if it's your first time, why not use Brad's delicious jerky recipe, which is best with venison but could just as easily be made with beef leg cuts. This recipe makes 8 to 12 servings, and takes about an hour to prepare plus 8 to 12 hours drying time. You will need a dehydrator for this recipe, which can be bought quite inexpensively online. Ingredients 2 pounds of clean venison For the marinade 8 cloves of minced or shredded garlic 4 tablespoons of brown sugar Add another tablespoon for a sweeter finish. Half a cup of Worcestershire sauce. One cup of soy sauce. Optional ingredients. One teaspoon to one tablespoon of cayenne or hot paprika for some color and heat. Substitute a quarter cup of the soy sauce for a quarter cup of red wine vinegar. To prepare, clean all fat and excess connective tissue from the venison scraps. This may take up to an hour depending on the status of the scraps or cuts used. Cut maximum quarter inch strips with or quarter inch across the grain of the meat. Mix all marinade ingredients in a large bowl or a plastic bag. 
Submerge the venison and marinate for 12 to 24 hours, depending upon how soft and heavily flavored you prefer your jerky. I recommend 18 hours, mixing thoroughly once or twice over that time. Drain the marinade from the venison and squeeze out any excess juice. If using a professional dehydrator, set to 155 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 68.3 degrees Celsius. Dehydrate for 8 to 12 hours, depending on thickness, and remove and enjoy. Store long term in the fridge or freezer. For more great wild fishing game recipes, be sure to subscribe and follow Antler and Finn.